This is Matt Geekab, episode 908 for Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Matt Geekab, the show. Where you send in your qu- your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found, we take all of that. We m- massage it into an agenda that we loosely follow because the goal is for each and every one of us to learn at least five new things every single time we get together, which is usually once a week. Sponsors for this episode here, Happy New Year 2022, are uh, ZocDoc.com slash MGG. Uh, it's been a sponsor for a while. Takethesis.com slash MGG, where you can save 10% uh, on your uh, first order there. And we'll talk more about that in detail. And a new sponsor for the show, but not a new piece of software for the show. Mac Updater, where coupon code MGGQ1 saves you 10% on that. So we will uh, we will talk more in depth about each of those there. But like I said, yeah, at ZocDoc.com slash MGG, you can download their free app. So, yeah. That's uh, that's what we got for that here in Durham, New Hampshire, because we're not in Las Vegas for CES. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, also not in Las Vegas, but instead in Fairfield, Connecticut. This is John F. Braun. Oh, well, so we're not in Vegas. Yeah. Um, well, I signed up for the remote stuff. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm still getting, you know, a ton of emails and, you know, there's lots of stuff happening. Not as much as in the past, but um you know, that's the way things are these days. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was, I was amazed. You know, we made the decision. I mean, I, I think we knew what the decision was going to be for the last couple of weeks, but we, you know, we, you and I made the decision this past week not to go. And, uh, and then like the floodgates opened and lots of things canceled. I was I, the, the, the one that really, I did not expect though. It's not really surprising is, you know, Harmon, uh, the JBL Harman AKG. It's a Samsung company, but you know, they have that whole like audio lineup. They, they usually aren't in the expo hall, nor are they even at like the, you know, the satellite events that we, you know, we call them at the Pepcom and the showstoppers. But what Harman does is they have their own expo hall that they build out in what was formerly known as the hard rock hotel. Now it's the Virgin hotel. And uh, my friend, Chris dragon is the one who puts all that together. He, Spends like eight months of his work year on it. And uh, just, you know, like Wednesday, they made an announcement that was like, yeah, no, we're we're not going to go like we're not going to have the pavilion. I, I mean, they, they they I think in years past, I've I've seen him say that they had, you know, 22 semi trucks or something full of stuff because they do the whole automotive thing and everything. Wow. So, yeah, to see that just like last minute, pull the plug. I think it was the right move. That their CEO made. Don't get me wrong, but that's all. That's a huge decision to make because all the financial investment that was put and time and all of that that was put into it is, you know, that, it, presumably they will be doing things and there are new products coming out as they say that we'll we'll learn about. Um, you know, we're recording this on Friday, and so uh, Friday before, so it's not quite Happy New Year for us yet, but it's very close. Uh, but we'll learn more about that on Monday, and then we'll share it uh, next week. Yeah, right. So, uh, Dave, you may have noticed um, during our introduction, there was a slight modification. 
We had to make some modifications, my friend. That is true. <laughs> so why don't you tell us? Some of you may have seen the press release or Dave tweeted about this. But um, anyways, there are changes afoot at Mac Observer. It's true. Um, uh, yep. And, you know, so was it just. So tell me what happened. Sure. Um, Something changed with Mac Observer. Yeah, big um, time. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the long and short of it uh, is that in 1998, almost exactly to the day, believe it or not, you know, in December of 1998, Brian Chaffin and I launched uh, the Mac Observer. We, we actually created it. We acquired a, a company, a website called Webintosh, and then changed the name to the Mac Observer. It was a long story. The person who sold it to us didn't own the name Webintosh. And mm -hmm. so... You know, that made the deal a little bit different, but uh, but it all worked out, obviously. And, you know, 23 years later here, we've seen all kinds of things throughout the industry. It's been uh, an amazing ride. And here in December of uh, 2021 and, and really officially on on January 1st here, 2022, we have uh, we have sold the site to um, to a new owner. Dr. Sirhat Kurt is the uh, the person who came and convinced us to sell it. Uh, and, and I'm happy to talk more about that. But uh, he's a longtime Mac fan, longtime fan of the site and uh, has some he's a university professor. Uh, Ph.D. is why he is Dr. Sirhat Kurtz. But but he has he has asked me to call him Sirhat, which I'm happy to do. And uh, he's a you know, he's he's one of us. And and so I'm I was stoked that that this worked the way that it did, to be perfectly honest. It's uh, I never. I was going to say, if you had asked me, you know, in September, if we would sell the site, I would have said no. And that's exactly what happened, because that's about when Sir Hot came to us. I mean, he, to be fair, his email wound up in my spam folder for a couple of weeks, his first one. Uh, but then he emailed me again and, and it was like, oh, wait, wait, wait here, you know, okay, let's, let's look into this. But you know, people come around a lot and ask, you know, is the site for sale? Not, not a lot, a lot, but it, it happened. You know, we've done this for over two decades. And so I didn't know if this was an tire kicker or what. And I was like, yeah, probably not this year. You know, there's too much going on. It's Q4. It's a crazy time for business in general. Like, I don't know that we really, I really want to head down this path. And he convinced me and us, Brian and I, that he was, you know, not only was this the right time for us to sell, but that he was the right person to sell it to. And um, and so then we put the deal together and and here we are. OK, so basically you and Brian are handing the reins over to the doctor to, to Sir Hot. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, and 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 to be clear. Uh, one of the things he, you know, sort of carved out in, in his pitch, if you will, was, look, you should keep your Mac Geek Gab podcast. Don't sell me that, you know, keep the I, I want to buy the website and, and the, the other podcasts that are there and that sort of thing. And so that's that, you know, that's how it works. So Mac Geek Gab is it's going independent now, I suppose. It's not, not that we really haven't been independent before, but now we are no longer affiliated with the Mac Observer. You will see for the short term, the, the podcast remains hosted at MacObserver.com. Uh, you know, we've been, well, we've been doing the site for 23 years, but we've been doing the show for 16 and a half. It's going to take a little bit to extract 
what we have and and, you know, t- just from a technical and logistical uh, standpoint to extract it all and put it up at MacGeekab.com, which is where it will be. And uh, Dr. Kurt Serhat has been very kind in, uh, you know, giving us a few months to to make that happen and, and continuing to host the uh, the podcast at the site until then. So thankfully, our RSS feed has always been at MacGeekab.com. So a lot of this is not as uh, disruptive for like you as our listeners as it could be because your RSS feed won't change. All of that will be fine, but the, the website will. And so we have to slurp all the content from two different content management systems into probably just one content management system because, you know, we're not um, – we're not gluttons for punishments, but it will it will be a punishing process. Uh, Adam Christensen is is on board to help out. And and he's he's the one who has built a lot of the infrastructure at Mac Observer. So, uh, it, you know, but yeah, yeah, it's um, all right. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I was just talking to Adam last night ah. just to touch yeah. base and see what's going on. Very yeah. cool. I found as of late having voice conversations with people or just reaching out to other humans is something that's kind of necessary to stay sane. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> no, that I, yeah, man, that's, that's, that, there you go. That's one of your five things to learn. if you haven't yet, like that's, that's a, that, no, that's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, to wrap this up though, um, what is the status of the current staff or is it just, they're going to have to negotiate with, um, I, I mean, so g- good question. The The plan and the, the current implementation is that for the foreseeable future, there will be no major changes to the the site or the staff. Uh, in fact, you know, Dr. Kurt, what he said in the kind of in the meeting where we introduced him to the staff and told everybody was that, you know, he wants to learn, truly learn how this site works from them. So he very much plans to keep everybody on board and um uh, you know, and all that. Now, you know, it, the hard part about all of this for me is it is no longer my decision, right. To, to do any of this stuff. Uh, I am going to be on board for a few months in, in transition uh, to, to also to teach him how things work. I mean, this is a 23 year old Frankenstein that we've created. And, and so, uh, but he's got a good handle on it, but there's, you know, some nuances that, that uh, very much we will be there and, and his success is something we want to see. Like I, I would be thrilled a year from now to look back at this and see TMO, you know, breaking all the records we ever set with it and all of that. And, and to be honest, I, I think that's a realistic thing. And, and he's the, the, some of the things he plans to do, not, not from a content change standpoint, as much as a technical sort of back end, there's there's some some SEO optimizations that can be done on the back end that won't change the content for people, but uh, may well expose the content to more people. And so um, but, I'll, but but he's got some other ideas, too. I don't want to I don't want to steal his thunder. Uh, but uh, but some of the you know, some of the the tweaks that he kind of shared in the in the staff meeting really show that um, that how much he you know loves this site and loves this um this thing there, there, you know, there might be very, very slight tweaks, but again, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder cause it's not my thunder anymore. Uh, but yeah, yeah. The staff, the staff will, uh, he, you know, it, it, it's his plan to keep the staff and, and all that, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, which is great. Yep. 
it's, it's a good thing. It's exciting. It's crazy. Um, but it, it's, I'm really happy with, with this. So I don't want to take up too much time of the show with it, but I did want to make sure everybody yeah. listening. And the last thing yeah. is yeah, man. you still run backbeat. Correct. You're representing other sites. So you're still going to be doing that. So you're, that'll keep you out of trouble. I hope. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, my day to day, I, I was at the Mac observer staff meetings every day that we would have for sure. But other than that, and then just, you know, kind of keeping the business aspect of it running, you know, my my daily focus is on creating this podcast, creating, you know, the the other two podcasts that I do, the small business show and Gig Gab. And then really the primary focus is running Backbeat Media, which manages all the sponsorships, not just for this show, but for lots of other shows and uh, and and then like nine to five Max Happy Hour and Apple Insiders podcast and you know, Mac OS can and Mac voices and like the list goes on and on and on. Uh, which is fantastic. I don't mean to be dismissive of it. It's, it's amazing. And I, I, it's a privilege to be able to do all that. But, uh, but that's, that's what takes up like that. If I had to pick one thing as my full-time job, Backbeat Media is, is that, and it has been for quite some time. So yeah, people, like some of my bandmates the other night after we made the announcement were saying, uh, oh, this is great. You're going to have more time. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not convinced it's going to open up a whole lot of time for me, but it is, I, I am very proud of what we accomplished with it. And I am super happy that, uh, that we get to hand the reins to someone who loves it as much as we do. And, uh, and it, you know, it can take its, its evolution even further, which is awesome. So it's good. It's good. Exciting. Crazy. The, the next couple of months will be, you know, the transition, the, the actual transition of it will be, I'm sure, probably more work for me than uh, than if we had just kept it. But I mean, that's part of how these things go. Just fine. You know? mm -hmm. So, yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks for the update. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's 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 awesome. Let's uh, let's keep learning, shall we? Quick tips. Mm -hmm. All right. Good. We will go to listener David, who. um Man, I love it when we learn things that we don't know. And this is definitely one of those things. He says, uh, I recently gave up Todoist because I retired and no longer need a to-do manager that complex and just started using Apple's reminders for all my to-do needs. In Todoist, I was in the habit of creating reminders from emails simply by forwarding the email to a special personal Todoist email address. It was very handy. But reminders did not have such a feature. If it does, please enlighten us. Feedback it. MacGeekGab.com. He says, so in Mac Mail, I looked for the very for the share sheet and soon remembered that there was none. He says, I'm on Big Sur, but a quick search uh, of Google says that there's no share sheet in Monterey either. He's right. I haven't found it. Uh, he says, uh, there is no men menu entry anywhere for creating a reminder out of one email. One might think that uh, under the message menu might find a share submenu or maybe a create reminder button. But no. However, there is a hidden and undiscoverable way to do just that. It turns out that one can create a reminder from an email message by control clicking or right clicking on the subject field of the email. When you do this, the contextual menu that pops up includes a share submenu, which contains, among a few other things, reminders. And it works. He says you click the subject field, clicking Anywhere else in the message will not bring up the share submenu, so you have to do it on the subject field. It works. It's fairly easy to add a date, time, etc. to the reminder you create. But why does Apple hide it so thoroughly? 
David? I don't know. I don't know. But thanks for sharing that quick tip, man. That's a good one. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to use that. So, yeah. Do you have any idea about this? No. Yeah. Crazy, man. I love learning new things. Well, I don't really use reminders. So, I, you know, I, it's the one piece of iCloud that I never warmed up to. So, Interesting. I only started using Apple's reminders like earlier this year because I've been I, I use BusyCal for everything on both my Mac and my phone. But with CarPlay, uh, there are times when I want to set a reminder and the easiest way to do that is to set it in Apple reminders. So I have one list in Apple's reminders that also syncs to BusyCal on, on all my devices. And so I can say Siri Remind me to call John tomorrow. I have to put in a date, even if it's today. Uh, if I don't put in a date, it puts it in as an untimed or undated reminder, which for my BusyCal workflow means it basically goes to Siberia. I could find it if I wanted to, but it's not going to surface for me like the rest of mine do, because all my other reminders are very much like tied to a day. So as long as I remember to say a day and it doesn't matter what the day would be and it you know usually parses it correctly. But yeah, yeah. So that's why I started using reminders. Good. Okay. Yeah, All right. Todd's got a quickie for us. All right. Um, Todd says, I just learned from my older son that an iOS 15 in the control center, which you reach by swiping down from the upper right hand corner, you can click on the moon icon in the focus button. To do and what? Indeed. Um, it toggles do not disturb on and off. Oh, so this is like the quick tip we shared last week about doing the same thing in Mac OS control center. That's mm -hmm. interesting. Oh. So not yeah, just it, tapping so, the focus. So if you just tap it, it'll disable. But I believe if, if you hold it, then it'll go into like the enhanced focus menu with more options than just disable or enable. Right. Or not disturb. Right. Ah, so I like it. That's good. Probably something that was found totally by accident. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Well, and when, when we talked about it about Mac, I mean, Mac OS, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, I mean, it, it, you know, these quick tips are things that are super obvious as soon as you know them and not at all obvious right up until that point. At least the ones we've been talking about so far today. So. Cool. What's next? All right. Um, speaking of do not disturb, um, Scott has one for us. Um, so during episode 907, you discussed turning on a Mac's do not disturb setting using a variety of keyboard combinations. In my opinion, you missed that obvious solution. My new Amex wireless Apple wireless keyboard has the do not disturb icon, uh, crescent moon shape, uh, imprinted on the F6 key. It wasn't programmed to turn do not disturb on off automatically out of the box, but it was a 30 second fix to get it to work as intended. Just go to, and we've been here before, uh, System Preferences, Keyboard, Shortcuts, and select Mission Control. Then check the box next to Turn Do Not Disturb On-Off so that it's enabled. And then assign a modifier key to F6. Um, he used Option F6 so that you can easily remember it by the icon on the key. I have attached the screenshot. Uh, I'm a keyboard shortcut fanatic and use this shortcut pref pane extensively to modify keystrokes to control every app. For example, I've used this instead of add-ons for mail to switch mailboxes and to move messages to mailboxes. Being able to easily reprogram keys and have them show up in the menu with the correct new keystroke is one of the things 
for me, that makes the Mac the best choice for people who just want to get stuff done. Yeah. Wow. That's really smart. I never, I love this idea. Even on keyboards that don't have a moon imprinted on the F6 key, this would be a, a great little, uh, I'm, I'm going to do this. This is great. I'm not going to do it right now, though, because we have other quick tickets <laughs> to share. So I will do this later, which, uh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to get this tip in my email inbox because I've already gone to MacGeekGab.com and signed up for our email list, which once a week sends out all the show notes with all the links and everything, including a link to simply play the show, either the video version on YouTube or the audio version, wherever you like. Uh, and it just delivers it every week. So go to MacGeekGab.com and sign up for our email list so that you can have this and you don't have to. Like me, I would forget about this after we did the show because we're about to do, you know, another hour's worth of, of stuff here or so. So, yeah, yeah, maybe my hearing's going to, but I thought you said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, thank thank goodness we standardized on that domain, huh? So because mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I, I know I put this in my little post about uh, when we when I announced the, you know, the sale of Mac Observer, but. I've always said you should standardize your email on a domain that you own. And that way, when you move and change or just change ISPs, like if you know you move from cable to fiber or whatever, you don't have to worry that you've given out, a, you know, an email address that's tied to your ISP. And that advice has served me well for 23 years. I'll let you guess what domain I standardized not only myself, but my family on starting 23 years ago or or more recently, given that my kids, uh, given that Mac Observer is older than both of my kids. So the family has been going through lots of stuff. In fact, that's why in last week's episode, we talked about uh, moving my son uh, to uh, his own domain on iCloud email. And now we've done that for a few other family members, too. And it's worked out great. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Ari has a quick tip that's completely unrelated to all of that, but is, in fact, quite fantastic he says um in episode 901 you were talking about how you cannot dictate emojis through siri and that is correct he says but ascii emojis are a thing according to siri so if you dictate smiley face you will get colon dash i guess that's hyphen right so colon hyphen close parentheses to make the little smiley face if you do winky if you say winky face you get semicolon close paren. So old school text emojis are doable inside Siri, but the, you know, the, the things from the emoji keyboard, because it's a different keyboard are not at least currently available to dictate with Siri. So thanks for that. Ari. I, now I've started using that. So uh, hopefully it works with people that I send things to do not say the word emoji. So if I say, hi, John, Comma, I hope you're having a good day, exclamation point, smiley face emoji. What it will say to to John is, hi, John, comma, I hope you're having a great day, exclamation point, and then space, and then colon, and then dash, and then close paren, and then space, and the word emoji. So don't say emoji, just say smiley face or winky face, which seems a little weird because what if I wanted to say the words smiley face to you, John? I don't know that I could, but you know, there you go. I've seen some of that weirdness in Slack sometimes. When I get a message from you, it'll say, instead of an emoji, it'll say, like, wink 
or smiley face or something. And I'm like, why is it doing that? Are you seeing that fun. in the Slack client or are you seeing that in yes. like an email message? Um, no, I think I see it in notifications. Okay. It, that it would make show sense. The emoji. Yeah. It, it that, yeah, it shows the words for it. And I'm like, the, hmm. yeah, Slack has its own lingo for, uh, like, like, uh, short codes for emojis. And so, yeah, you're right. Like, I think it's like colon, colon, smiley dash face, colon, colon, or something mm-hmm. like that, what, whatever it is. But yeah, you're right. Uh, Cause I've seen that in, yeah, not in the clients, but in like email or maybe even just regular notifications. So, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. One last quick tip from listener, Tony, uh, he says, uh, well, oh, yeah, right. In, uh, in episode 907, we were talking about sharing passwords, and I suggested the thing that my son used. And what we were doing was setting up his domain uh, for email, and he had something on his computer that I needed to put on mine. And, uh, and so we used the, uh, you know, the camera app to, to copy it and it didn't quite work the, the way we wanted to, but you know, that was, it, it was a listener who had suggested using that to share passwords between two computers for, for the same reason. And Tony says, well, if you're using keychain, you can airdrop a password. And he's right. Uh, he sent us a screenshot from his iPad where he went into settings passwords and he picked a password for a website and then in the upper right hand corner is a share icon. And if you tap that, it will pull things down and show you airdrop I- items. I- it doesn't on his. It doesn't seem to show things other than airdrop, which is interesting. So maybe password sharing is only available via airdrop and not other sharing options. But uh, but yeah, airdrop. There you go. I love it. I love it. It's great. Yeah, I think the the other thing is in the latest OS's, I think it's not only iOS but Mac OS. And I've done this with family, but if you if you hold your device next to another device, it'll say, "Hey, you want the password to get into this Wi-Fi network, but you have to be in the contact list of that person." Yeah, and you don't need to be all that close. Um as mm-hmm. long as you are within Bluetooth range, which it, you know, if you're in a it's like a hundred feet. I yeah, think. exactly. It could be a hundred feet, but yeah, you're right. You need to be mutually in one another's contact lists. And if somebody goes to connect to a Wi-Fi network that you have the password to, it'll just offer to, to share it with you. And, and that'll work with your own devices too. If you happen to have a device that, that is not, you know, synced for whatever reason to that, um, to the, you know, to that iCloud keychain thing, or if it got purged because of the stuff we've talked about with the way iCloud keychain is, you can share to yourself too, but you get, yeah, you're right. You have to be in Bluetooth range and the contacts, but yeah, that's no, it's a, I love that feature. It's, it's funny for me. I've been at like theaters sitting at my drums, you know, or, or backstage or whatever. And my family's in the crowd. And one of my family members goes to connect to a Wi-Fi network or whatever. And it's like, Hey, do you want to share this with them? And it's like, I can't even see that person, but sure. You know, so it's interesting. <laughs> All right. We have all kinds of questions and tips from you. Maybe even some cool stuff found. The next thing that I would love to do, Mr. Braun, if you are amenable, is talk about our uh, three sponsors for today. I am amenable. All right. Our first sponsor today is a new sponsor for us here, but certainly not something new to longtime listeners of Mac Geek Gab, And that is Mac Updater from CoreCode at corecode.io slash MGG, where 
Coupon code MGGQ1 gets you 10% off. Mac Updater, if you've listened, you already know this. It's one of the apps that I just can't live without because I like to make sure that all of my stuff on my Mac is up to date. The, the time that I don't want to do this is when I launch the app. When I launch an app and it tells me it's time to update, I don't want to update then. I want to use the app. That's why I launched the app. But with Mac Updater, I can do all of my updates at the same time and it finds what those are and keeps me up to date on it. So I'm never surprised by an update when I actually want to use an app. It's fantastic at this. It even finds things in the Mac app store that the Mac app stores updater doesn't always find. It's fantastic. It scans for, and then displays all your installed software and they have version information for over 60,000 apps. And that number is growing, right? They're adding things all the time. And the 6,000 most popular apps, another growing number, can be updated directly inside Mac Updater with a single click. So you can do it really easily. It's a one-time purchase. There's no subscriptions. And like I said, code MGGQ1 saves you 10%. So you want to make sure you use that. As of two, version 2.1, which just came out, They've added support for even more software types, including Adobe plugins, and it's now even more flexible. They added integration with Alfred for yet another way to trigger app updates. I love the automation. This is great. And now by popular demand, users can switch between classic and Big Sur icon styles, too. It's ready for Monterey and all your compatibility updates. So go check it out. Go to corecode.io slash MGG and then make sure you use that coupon code MGGQ1 because it's MGG and you got to use that Q1 because here we are in Q1. That way you'll get your 10% off and our thanks to Mac Updater and Core Code for sponsoring this episode. For anybody out there who is struggling with focus, energy, or motivation, it's not you, it's your brain. Thesis, our next sponsor here, helps you take control of your mind to create habits that last and get a little help if you need a boost. And that's because Thesis makes personalized supplement formulas that are specifically designed to boost cognitive function. This is all based on the science of nootropics, where, which are natural and powerful ingredients. Things like caffeine and also ginseng and B12 and things like that. Things that increase productivity, focus, energy, and mental clarity. You, anybody that's listened to this show for a while has heard me in the beginning. Sometimes I'll talk about what kind of tea I'm drinking. You know, I'm not a caffeine guy. I don't do caffeine on a regular basis. And, but I do like things like lion's mane or ginseng. And, uh, you know, B12 has certainly been a huge part of, of my sort of personal formula. And what's great is you go to Thesis and you take their three-minute online quiz and they will recommend their high-quality nootropic formulas that are unique to you and your goals. And one of the questions they asked me was, do you use caffeine on a regular basis? And I said, no. And so they sent me all of these supplements, none of which have caffeine in them. It's fantastic. Of course, if you if caffeine's part of your personal formula, then they will add that for you on, on the ones where it's appropriate. It's great, right? They really, I was so stoked to be able to get these exactly for me. And they really do work for me. It's fantastic. They figured out the formula and I feel energized without that crash helps to cut through that brain fog to think clearly or even just get a little uh, help with motivation to find your flow. So go take that three minute online quiz right now. Thesis is offering you, our listeners, 10 percent off your first starter kit. When you visit take thesis dot com slash MGG, go to take thesis dot com slash MGG to take their quiz and discover your unique nootropic combination and save that 10 percent on your first starter kit. That's takethesis.com slash MGG. Make sure to use our URL to let them know we sent you and our thanks to Thesis for sponsoring this episode.
Do you get excited by a five-star driver rating? Let's be honest. Ratings matter a lot in today's world. I think they've always mattered, but now we just have access to them. And when it comes to finding health care, ratings matter even more. Our sponsor, ZocDoc, is an app where you compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. And the way it works is you just download the free ZocDoc app, which is the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. And with ZocDoc, you get to search for local doctors who take your insurance. You can read verified patient reviews and book an appointment in person or video chat. Your choice. Never wait on hold with a receptionist again. So whether you need you know, primary care, dentist, dermatologist or some other specialist, ZocDoc's got you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app. ZocDoc app. It's easy for me to say. Easier for you to type to sign up for free. I've used this. It's great. It's it's amazing to be able to look and see. You can even check reviews on, on your existing doctors so that you kind of get a level set of how people review what, what you've seen. And then, you know, that gives you even uh, greater vision into looking for doctors you don't know. Now is the time to prioritize your health because ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's ZocDoc.com slash MGG. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, let's go into some questions here. Uh, We'll start with Timothy, who says, uh, hey, Dave and John, here's a challenge for you on my iPhone. Is there any way to only have the photos sync to iCloud and only leave videos on the device? And I I don't think uh, without using third party apps to completely manage your library, uh, I don't think there's a way to do that. Uh, iCloud Photos, which is what's going to store all of those things, if you're, if that's where you're syncing from, which it says he is, uh, you can do the optimized device storage thing, but that leaves it up to Apple. There's no more granular controls than that. You can't say optimized device storage for photos, but not for videos or vice versa. Uh, and I don't, I think this is this one might be a geek challenge, but I, I don't, I don't think there's an answer other than using something like. Synology's new photos thing, which also will do some of that storage optimization, but you could split it into different libraries if you wanted there and and control them differently. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the only thing I could think of is so if you go into the uh, camera app um, on the iPhone, it will break out your videos into a separate album. Yeah. So, I mean, you could turn off syncing to, uh, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a harebrained scheme because the thing is you can hold down on a video in that album, in the videos album and share it with someone else. I'm just trying to think how you could segment that from your photos. photos. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's like, it's right there, but not right there. Like I'm, I tried holding down on the videos album in my mm-hmm, phone. Mm-hmm. Can I, you know, if, so if I choose to select a couple of videos, uh, there's no, yeah, there's no like download link or anything. I can add them to a shared album, uh, but I can't say download these. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
That would be nice. But it seems to be that's not how it works. If you know, go ahead. No, I wonder if you can do it through iCloud.com. Probably not. Like, it's your phone that decides what to download. It's not the cloud saying, you go do this, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, if you... If you used iMazing instead of iCloud Photos, then you could manually move things over. But that's hmm. probably not what you want to do. Uh, but that would be one way of of more granularly managing things. I'll put a link to iMazing in the show notes. Uh, I know most people that listen probably have already heard about it, but, you know, it doesn't hurt. Um, yeah. So that would be the only um, be the only thing that that comes to mind for me. Yeah. If you know, though, let us know. Feedback at MacGeekUp.com. We'd love to hear about it. As would Timothy. At MacGeekUp.com. It's feedback at MacGeekUp.com, folks. Um, we, we did get a suggestion from the chat room here, which is at live.MacGeekUp.com. Last I checked. Um, I mean, you could... Uh, the suggestion is that you, you create two libraries. Okay. Photos and one with your videos, I think, is where we're going with this. Mm. How, how, I mean, I like that idea. I, will iCloud let me do that? I, I thought you could only, I know you can have two iCloud accounts on any given device, right? But I didn't, I don't think photos can be part of more than one. Unless. What about Apple Business Essentials? Like the you know the new thing where you can have the, your managed iCloud account that's from your company that does things differently from what you do. Like maybe that opens that door? I don't know. I don't know. I mean the other thing is that you could create two users, one that does photos and one that does videos and do it that way. Right? Mm, kind of a hack, but yeah, but I mean, what that could users accomplish it. Wait, well you can't have two users on an iPhone. No, uh, uh, right. Right. Other than Apple business essentials, like that's the way to do two users, two Mm. iCloud users on an iPhone. All right. There might be something here. If if one of you has, has like navigated this path again, let us know. We, we said the email address. All right. Um, (laughs) Brian asks a question in, you know, a similar vein. He, uh, oh yeah, he, uh, well, he sent this in via audio, but it was, there was a lot of background noise. So I will, I will parse this. Uh, he said that he was noticing, he wasn't sure if Apple music was streaming or playing locally. And, uh, he was getting a, he, you know, he has a, like a T-Mobile account with like 50 gigs a month of data. And he got a note the other day saying, Hey, you've used all your data. And so he wasn't sure if that was coming from Apple Music or not. He presumed it was. But there is a way to tell, first and foremost, uh, the place that you would configure this is in settings, music, downloads. And there are a few options there, uh, including optimized storage, like we just mentioned uh, for Timothy, right? But then there's automatic downloads that uh, you can choose to automatically download things that you've just added to your library or whatever, you know, so that you can tweak these things. Um, So you can do that. But uh, 
unlike what we just dealt with with photos, you can go to an album, a song, or even a playlist in your library, and you can click the little down arrow in a circle, which is the download button, and instruct your phone to download that set of media. So that, you know, album, song, playlist, whatever it is, it will download that to your device. So you can granularly control, yes, I want this playlist to be not on my uh, you know, not streamed. I want it downloaded, which could save you a ton of data if, in fact, you know, and, and don't I, I, you know, do that when you're on Wi-Fi so that you're not using your cellular data for that. Uh, so that might help. Uh, but you could confirm that your data is being used by Apple Music by going into settings cellular and then scroll down and you will after some settings, you will find a list of all of your apps organized by the amount of data that they have used. Now it's the amount of data that they've used since you last reset the list, which is a manual process. So it doesn't happen every month like your, you know, cell phone company does. So if you go all the way to the bottom of the list, you can reset it or at least see when you last reset it. And that will inform you as to, you know, because you might see, oh, you, you know, you've downloaded 200 gigs worth of music. It's like, well, yeah, but over the course of two years, you know, so uh, but even that might give you an indication if, if music is not at the top of that list, but something else is, you know, you've downloaded 50 gigs worth of stuff. What is it? Hopefully that can help you suss that out. So. Yeah. Thoughts on that, John? Mm, no. All right. Good. I actually just signed up for music right because your new home trial yeah are you using Ah. it um a bit okay you know i'll I'll ask it to play a song from whoever and um and it does the only thing i noticed dave um the synchronization from my mac so if i have my mac and i indicate the home pod as a sound destination like from in the the music app or whatever yep um, there is a big lag, like the video and audio is totally out of sync and I can't figure it out. So you're talking like playing, say for the movies app that you're finding the audio out of sync. Yes. Interesting. I know that there's a, like Apple has a, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm searching here while I'm typing. Uh, I thought Apple had a knowledge base article about that. Cause it's supposed to. solve like that. That's supposed to be a thing that it solves. Um, I'm looking, there's a Reddit article. I'm not finding an Apple article about this. Um, Yeah. If you choose the TV and the home pod, everything works fine. Yeah. I've seen people, I've seen people report this before, but I I also thought it was kind of a a solved issue. I I mean, the first thing to try would be, you know, the obvious, have you restarted the Mac and, or have you restarted Mm -hmm. the home pod? Right. Like that's, that's one way to do it. The other way, and I might be overcomplicating things here. No great surprise Not for anybody who's listened for a while. You might, mm-hmm. you might find that habit uh, has occurred before, but you know, like rogue amoebas airfoil might be the, um, the answer here because it will do some, like when I've used it, it, it intelligently figures out what that lag is going to be and does some syncing. But I think that's trying to think, I think that's only for 
audio. I don't know if that's for video or not. I've used it for audio, but it might be, I might be, I might be missing something there. So airfoil might be an app for that. Um, mm. Yeah. What, what source are you playing from? Um, QuickTime player or, okay. you know, YouTube via browser. Yep. Yep. Huh. Or actually locally stored movies. But yeah, I typically play my movies either with uh, mostly VLC, um, but also QuickTime player if it's the right format. So. Right, right. Yeah, in the in the chat room, uh, NCSUCPE is our the handle of our, our member who uh, is actually quite astute at these home theater things. And he says there is a sync function in audio and video on the Apple TV, which I've definitely seen before. And, and maybe that's what I'm remembering here. Um, but, uh, but there is, I'll put this article in the, in the thing. There might be calibrate audio. Yeah, but that's just for the Apple TV, which I've done. And, and it works great to, to calibrate the audio. It actually uses your iPhone, to um to be the the ears for it to figure out like when the sound is coming out it, like it knows yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool so um yeah but i don't know about from your mac huh i mean it you know it is playing over wi-fi which should be mm. i mean that, that that you know that's that's pretty it can be fairly low latency it's not like bluetooth right Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, maybe another, um, maybe another geek challenge. I like this stuff. Yeah. All right. Shall we keep moving on, my friend? Indeed. All right. All right. Mark has a quickie here. Um, I have yet another keyboard combination to sleep a Mac, which I use all the time, which is Control Command Q. Um. What it does is it locks your Mac and then, and I verified this on my machine. So it locks the Mac. And if you don't have a screensaver enabled, it then goes to sleep. Huh? Yeah, that's really smart. So no screensaver means it just skips over the screensaver and goes right to sleep. Mm-hmm. Huh. Don't try this now, or at least I'm not going to. No. Yeah. It'd be bad. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I like it. All right. That's good. Uh, Ari has a question that I, I, you know, it it probably falls into a quick tip that we should have shared a long time ago, but we didn't to my knowledge. So we will answer Ari's question, hopefully for many, uh, Ari writes ever since the release of focus mode, I've been using focus to help me maintain a better work life balance. And it's been a game changer and I love it overall. However, there's one silly thing that's got me shaking my fist. When you are in focus, the clock now dims to the point that it's unreadable, at least with my blue sky dynamic gradient desktop choice. The only way to undim the clock is to option click it, but this just temporarily disables focus. That's not an option for me. As I was writing this, I just had the thought to use the clock in iStat menus, which does work. But unfortunately, that adds a usable white clock beside my now unusable dark gray clock, which is an ugly uh, which is ugly and space inefficient uh, as a workaround it says, I don't see a way to disable the system clock as even bartender says it is unable to touch it. And like as a, as an aside, if you aren't already using bartender to control the things that appear in your menu bar, uh, I highly recommend that. So 
And I think that's part of setup as well. So anyway, but we do have a better answer or an answer uh, because like Ari, I traded my system clock for the iStat menus clock years ago. But then with uh, current OSs, the system clock came back and you can't remove it. It must be there. My answer analog. Go to system preferences, dock and menu bar clock. Then in the time options section of the clock preference there. So it's this buried system preferences, dock and menu bar, then the clock. And then there'll be a time options thing. You can choose digital or analog. When you choose analog, the clock goes super small and it's just a little round analog clock that sits over on the right of the menu bar and is all but invisible. And that has been my solution so that I can have my iStat menus clock, which also gives me like a calendar and all the other things that I might want to see. But uh, but you have the system clock because clicking on the system clock brings up your notifications and all that stuff, which you need. So that's why the system clock has to be there. But it doesn't have to be super wide or intrusive. It can be analog. So that's my answer to that. Have you have you been doing the analog thing with your clock, John, or are you just using? No, you're just using the system. clock. No, I got enough space. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do, too. I just I like to use the iStat menus clock and I don't want to see both clocks. That's that's really what it came down to. So, yeah, it's good. All right. What's next? Uh, I think we're going to Brian. Let's this could it. actually be a geek challenge. Um, so Brian says, I am embarking on a video organization project where I'm going to be entering a lot of text into the metadata fields of my video files. The text entry boxes in the finder. Um. See below, only make two lines for the tags and three lines for comments visible at a time. These metadata text entry boxes are simply not big enough for me. Uh, I would like another app that will make these text entry boxes bigger. Does such a thing exist or is it possible to do something in the terminal that will change the size of these text entry boxes? Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, Here's my thought, Dave. So yeah, I went into system preferences and I couldn't find an option. I thought there used to be one that would change the size of the system font, but I, I think that that time has passed. Okay. Uh, I even went to Onyx. Maybe there was something in Onyx. Uh, I couldn't find anything. And actually a last thought, which I didn't communicate, uh, but I do have an answer kind of, um, I thought there would be something in accessibility that would let you do this, but I couldn't find anything. So, there's a way to make the system font bigger. Uh, the, I mean, the, the one thing you can do is you can expand the Finder dialog so it's bigger, but the font, uh, I know of no way. So what's the answer? <laughs> well, I think the answer may be to use, not use the Finder. Yeah. Uh, and I found an article, uh, which we'll, of course, link to. Um, eight best video metadata editors for Mac. Okay. All right. And they list a whole bunch. VLC is actually one of them, uh, which oh. will let you modify some of these fields. So hopefully one of the eight apps that these guys identify will let you change the font size. Because I understand your frustration. I hate it when you – it's just aggravating that, you know, it's – it's you know, uh, <laughs> some of us that have worked with fonts for a while uh, typically call it uh, – Flyspec one is the font that you're using because <laughs> it's so tiny. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish there was a way to control that, but yeah, using a, a third party app, I think is, is the only 
solution here. Yeah, the, the article, and it, you're right, it does have some options, uh, some good options in it. It is produced, the, the article is created by Wondershare, who makes Filmora uh, and perhaps some of the others on the list. So this is a little bit of, we're going to help you and also promote our app. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just good to know that when you're reading these articles. Um, there's another one that comes to mind that I don't see on their list. And that is um, a better finder attributes. That's the name of the app, a better mm. finder attributes. And that is there to add and remove video metadata al along with EXIF data for photos and videos. You can do, you know, your finder sorting and change dates and all that stuff. And it's a, it's a different interface, so you're not necessarily stuck with what Apple has chosen for you. You are stuck with what they are cho they have chosen for you, but maybe it fits your workflow better because it's literally built to do this, and you can do it, it you know in bulk and things like that too. So that would that would those would be my thoughts on this. So I'll put we'll put links to both of those things in the in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Fun, yeah, good. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to Ned here. Ned has a problem. Well, he has a problem that I have too, in a sense. Um, it, this is he's going to talk about the Powerbeats Pro from Apple, but um, the AirPods are going to be similar. So this is for anybody with you know Apple headphones with the Apple H a W one chip. I guess he called it the H one chip, but I think it's the W one chip. Whatever it is that Apple has put into all the Powerbeats and the AirPods and all that stuff, he says. The sound on my Powerbeats Pro are great, but I have a few issues and questions. Sometimes when I put it in its case, it doesn't disconnect. I'll not notice it and then wonder my device seems quiet uh, because it's still coming out of the <laughs> headphones that are in the case. Oh, that's interesting. The auto connected screwy, he says. Today I was listening to the live YouTube of Mac Geekab on my iPad using these Powerbeats Pro. And every few minutes it would switch to my MacBook Pro, causing the iPad to pause the live stream. I would have to go to the MacBook Pro Bluetooth and disconnect my headphones before they would reconnect to my iPad. And sometimes when I take uh, them out of the case, they will not connect to anything. I'll check my MacBook Pro, my iPhone, and my iPad, and there doesn't seem to be a way to turn them on except to put them in the case, make sure the charging contacts touch, wait a few seconds to reset things, and then take them out. Uh, any ideas on this? So, yeah, I, I have seen similar behavior with my AirPods Gen three. I did not see this with my OG AirPods. I use AirPods. The I have I have AirPods Pro and AirPods Gen three, and then I have my OG AirPods too. The the Gen three and the OG ones, aka the ones that don't have a a full seal in my ear, are the ones I love to use in my office for phone calls. It, they are the best Bluetooth headset I've ever used. Um, and I the only reason I'm using the Gen three ones is because the battery on my OG AirPods is finally you know, it'll only last 20 minutes or something. So, uh, but with the gen three ones, and this might happen if I were to use my AirPods pro in this way. So I can't say it doesn't, but I haven't experienced it, but with the gen three ones, I will, you know, pick up my AirPods, put them in, make a phone call. And then often what happens is I spend the first 30 seconds of the phone call, like, tapping the button on my phone to say, you know, use the AirPods. It'll, it'll switch to the AirPods logo, but won't actually switch to the AirPods. It'll jump back to the phone and then it'll jump to my Mac. And then I hit it again and it'll finally jump to the phone. For some reason, I think for me, it is my, my, my gen three AirPods are prioritizing my Mac mini in my office over my phone. 
And I don't know how to fix that, but that is, that's what seems to be happening. And you can't because of iCloud and the way uh, your Apple W1 audio devices sync amongst your iCloud account. You can't, I couldn't, I can't tell my Mac mini ignore this device, forget about it, never use it uh, because it'll come back. So it, yes, there is something wonky about it. And I'm not, I think what it is, is when I'm in my office, you know, I'm my, I'm using my Mac, right? Cause the, you know, that's what I'm doing. And then I either decide to make a phone call or decide to take a phone call. And it, it decides that because my Mac has been in use recently, that that's the thing it should, should associate with. Um, now I am being told in the chat room live dot uh, that you can from my listener, John, you can turn off auto switching on that device. So maybe that's the key. Um, and I, I am not sure how to do that because if I was, I would have done that. So, um, I'm not sure if that's in like uh, in the yeah, I don't see it in my uh, like in my Bluetooth settings, but I don't have them activated. So that either will wait until listener John can type into the chat room the instructions to do that or we will share it in the next episode. So uh, we will. But hopefully we've still got some time in this episode, so we will we will move on and maybe circle back to that. In uh, in a minute, he says you have to have them connected. Okay, and then hopefully he'll explain where it is in the Bluetooth menu or settings or whatever that is, because that seems to be my problem. And so turning off auto switching would be the key. Excellent, excellent. You want to take us to Danny while we're uh, while we're oh waiting for that? <laughs> yeah, oh, this one, man. I don't know. Okay. But, um, could be a geek challenge. Um, Whereas it seems like we're hitting a lot of those today, but we're knocking yeah. some of them out, which I, which I really like. That's yeah. good. Okay. So Danny says, I'm having weird issues over here in even three hours, two Apple advisors and one senior advisor failed to solve. Here's the problem. I got two drives for Christmas, uh, two Seagate Iron Wolf 12 terabyte. Nice. I don't have a drive that large. <laughs> um, I tried to format them using an external enclosure with my brand new MacBook Pro M1. Uh, utility sees them as one terabyte only. I tried APSF, HFS, extended fat, always the same, only one terabyte. I tried disutilities first aid, nothing. Tried formatting again, nothing. Tried different cable, same. Um, I talked to Apple and they said, yeah, try safe mode, same thing. Try to reinstall Monterey. Same thing. I decided to try it on two different Macs, a 2011 iMac and a MacBook Pro, a, a Mac Pro 5.1. Same thing, even with a different enclosure. Uh, is it possible the two brand new drives have the same issue or is something with Mac OS and Seagate 12 terabyte that brings some unexpected uh, geek happiness during the holidays? Any opinions would be great. Um yeah, the best I got here, Dave, is at first I thought it was the enclosure. So I'm like, sure. try a different enclosure, but he already did that. So, yeah, um, I did find something online, though it was for Windows. Um, and the article was how to troubleshoot why Windows shows two terabytes instead of 12 terabytes. So it sounds like a similar problem. And it was also with the Seagate drive. Um, the 
the only suggestion I have, um, and I think he got back to me and said it didn't work. But so when you format a drive, Dave, there's two choices that you have. The format of the drive, which he went through all of those. Yep. But there's also the scheme. Right. Like the, the um, and and that's what this article um suggested is that your scheme may not be right. And that if the scheme is master boot record, which is pretty much a Windows DOS kind of relic, um that will limit your size because it just doesn't understand big drives. Um so the only suggestion I have is make sure it's set to GUID, um, which is what you really want on Mac. And I think you're right. I think that's the answer. I think this thing came formatted or partitioned master boot mm-hmm. record. Right. And, and so you have to wipe that entirely clean and make it GUID and then things should open up. I, I, I think you're right. I've, I've run into this before. It's been a while, but it, it's also been a while since I've just taken a drive as advert, you know, as it arrived and not, gone into disk utility and said, okay, this is how I'm going to do this with this particular drive. So yeah. Yeah. Because some legacy formats only understand a certain size. And if they see something bigger, they get confused. So they're like, well, I'll make it really small. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's, you got to do that in disk utility and, and, you know, wipe it, wipe it down to the core and, and, yeah, because MBR, Master Boot Record, is it's not, it didn't have enough, like, bits or whatever to see beyond two terabytes, right? I think that's the that's the issue. All right, uh, we do have a follow-up, thank goodness, from listener John in the chat room, who actually went and got his Mac to get these answers. So the, the trick is, uh, you connect your AirPods to your devices. So first do it, for me, where I don't want it to auto-connect to my Mac, I would do this on my Mac, connect the AirPods, then... In Bluetooth, you can click options and choose connect to this Mac uh, when last connected to this Mac. And and you can you can change those to tweak the settings so that it's not automatically connecting unless you tell it to. And maybe that's going to be my solution down in the office. I'm I'm stoked now to go do that. But we do have a few more minutes of show, so I'm not going to run away quite yet but i'm really eager to try this out if we hadn't already done the ad break then i would have run downstairs during the ad break and gotten my uh my airpods pro and tested it out but you know there's only so many things we can do here john so yeah all right and for those of you that don't know yes we i always do try to pre-record all of the ads so that we a we get them right for the sponsors but also that we keep them tight for you right and tight uh, because we, you know, uh, we want to be able to deliver what we need to deliver without it becoming something that, you know, just consumes the entire episode. And so, uh, that's the reason we, we pre-record. That's the only part of the show that is regularly and routinely edited is, is that we, we slice and dice and, and make it concise, which is the point. Maybe we should do that for the rest of the show. I don't know. All right. Um, Lewis. Has a follow up and might be Louie. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't have the full thing in front of me here. So my apologies if I've screwed that up. Uh, it is Lewis. There you go. Uh, says uh, we were talking in the last episode, as I mentioned, about setting up iCloud uh, with your own iCloud plus rather with your own custom domain. 
and it's been working great. However, Lewis noticed a limitation. He says, I've been stuck with network solutions hosted email for years. iCloud custom email domain seemed like the ticket to solve a lot of my issues. One question, though, in the initial setup, it's asking me to list all the email addresses that I currently use. I have 10 associated with my domain. The Apple setup form seems to max out at three. Am I missing something? And you are not missing something. That is true. Each person gets three addresses per domain. So if you are um, if you are on a family shared account and you share the domain, like if you get a domain for your family, uh, then every each person gets three addresses per domain. But if you're just using it for yourself, then you are just the one person. And so you only get three addresses for yourself for that domain. So, yeah. And will this limitation, um, you know, will this limitation be lifted or increased over time? Maybe we'll see. My guess is Apple will see, too. Uh, But it does keep their database smaller uh, for these things. So, yeah, but it is it's limited to three addresses per person. Uh, per domain. So it's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's there's no catch all address, which some email providers let you do with a domain where anything that comes into your domain just goes to you no matter what. Um, or you can forward it to a different place. You know, there there, there are more full featured email, provi- email custom domain providers. But um, but yeah, this one is it. You can pick three and, and that's it. So my family members have each only chosen one. So it has not come up, but. When I dug into this, Lewis was absolutely right. So thank you, Lewis, for for hipping us to that. Good stuff. Yeah? yeah you'd think they'd offer, like, maybe a premium tier where you could, like, throw them a couple extra bucks and get more. My get, I mean, you know, this is, this is classic Apple, right? This is Rev 1 of this feature. And mm-hmm. so it's, like, let's roll it out. Let's keep the feature set simple and easy to understand and easy to support and easy to maintain. And let's see how many people use it and let's see what walls they run into. And then we can, you know, Apple decides which walls to, to, to move or, or lift or, or not. So I I think you, I think you're right though. I think they will offer. My guess is they won't offer. I, I mean, there's, there are many things they could do with a premium tier, but that, you know, like that, that complicates things. My guess is we'll see this lifted from three to 10 next year. That that's just mm-hmm. my, you know, un, undereducated opinion. So, mm-hmm. uh, but what do I know? I'm just some guy with a podcast. I don't even know web website anymore. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Let's go to, let's go to Kiwi Graham. He's got, this is a, it's one of these things that's helpful for all of us, especially those of us that support multiple people, but really just for ourselves too. Kiwi Graham says, uh, I don't recall hearing this on the show, this particular tip from Howard Oakley about kernel underscore task, the process kernel task on your Mac and thermal management. He says, I came across it when doing some research on why a client's 2019 MacBook Pro was running so horrendously slow. We're in the middle of the Australian summer. And my client was running his laptop at home connected to a monitor in clamshell mode. Performance was fine for four to five minutes after a reboot, but then would become almost unusable. Activity monitor showed kernel task, which is notoriously unwilling to reveal any finer details. 
using 80% of all CPU cores. Howard Oakley at Eclectic Light points out that macOS is using a fudge uh, to prevent thermal overload by pretending that kernel task is using most of the available CPU to limit processes from actually using the CPU and heating it up further. So this definitely, if you see kernel task eating up a ton of the CPU, check to see, you know, are, is, is it hot? Is it sitting on your lap? Is it hot in the room? Are, if, if your machine has fans, are the fans running at full tilt, trying their best to, you know, cool things off? It's just a great reminder that, I, you know, I, I've certainly run into this before, but when, when uh, Graham's email came in, it was like, oh, yeah, man, I forgot about that. Um, and I wonder how much we'll run into this with Apple Silicon-based Macs. Hopefully not nearly as often, but, um, but certainly with Intel Macs, I, I remember running into this a lot. And it was like, yeah, why is my machine so slow? It's like, oh, because, you know, it's summer. I don't have my AC on and I've got the machine on my lap. Uh, you know, on the couch or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. Yes, indeed. Cool. Thoughts yeah, on that? Unfortunately, I thought there was a way to get more detail about what Kernel Task is doing. So here's a mini tip. Uh, activity Monitor. Um, if you go in there and you double click on a task uh, or a process. Yeah. It'll show you a little more information, but it doesn't show you the gory details of what exactly it's doing. So never mind. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. They do, you're right. It it would be really handy if Activity Monitor would say, you know, kernel task is is using this because the system's hot. Like that would be super handy to so that you knew, like, hey, by the way, your Mac's gonna be a lot slower right now. We've made that decision for you to keep your CPU from, you know blowing up like that would be fine but a little notification goes a long way uh i like it maybe that's the uh the title of the show uh let's do some cool stuff found we have a couple of minutes left listener john sends us one he said uh the my radar app uh m-y-r-a-d-a-r all one word capital m capital r has a feature that I haven't seen before. And he sent us a screenshot where he says it shows when the high-low temperatures will occur, not just what the high-low temperatures of the day are. And it is. It's, he, he sent us a screenshot of a five-day detailed forecast, and it shows a little bar that, you know, covers the 24 hours of the day. And on the wherever he was, you know, on Thursday, it was going to be a high of 73 and a low of 64. So he definitely doesn't live where I do. And uh, and it showed, you know, that the high was going to be at 1 p.m. and the low was going to be at 11 p.m. That's pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, the other days, the, the same thing. I like that. That's outstanding. Huh. And it even shows like the a, a color coded graph of the temperature evolution throughout the day, too. And again, some of this stuff is obvious. You know, it's it's but, you know, one day the high was going to happen at 3 p.m., Instead of 1 p.m., you know, which is wait, and depending on where you live. I remember when we were, were in Texas, the high would generally be about four or five p.m., not noon, which living in New England, growing up in New England, I was shocked about. It. I was like, wait, I thought the high was always, you know, at noon. I was like, no, no, not just here, not everywhere. So, yeah, yeah, I like it also has so it shows one day where the high was 47 and the low was 33. Yeah, that's pretty close to freezing. And uh, but the bar is differently colored for that day, which yeah. I think is what it's indicating is like, 
because, uh, you know, for those of you that live in certain parts of the country, um, when it's freezing out, that's bad for, uh, you don't want frozen pipes, which I had once and it's not fun. No, <laughs> you want to make sure your heat's running. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That sucked. We were out at Macworld and it got to be like two degrees at home. Like, Oh yeah. That's not no bueno. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to have to check that app. Out. I'm a, I'm crazy about weather apps. I use the, um, the, I use the weather underground app as my main sort of seeing the weather thing, because it will tell me the amount and type of precipitation in the, you know, in the 10 day view or the five day view or whatever it is. And I find that living here, especially this time of year, super helpful. Like I can see that it's on Saturday, the first, we have a 99% chance of rain and we're going to get a half inch of rain, which is awesome. Cause we're supposed to drive to Boston. So that's amazing. Great. Um, you know, Sunday has 0.03 inches of rain. So it's nice to see how much we're going to get. I guess it's better than getting snow because a half inch of rain would be about a half a foot of snow. So mm-hmm. yeah, for the drive to Boston, I'll take, I'll take the rain instead of the snow, but I got to check out this, my radar thing, but yeah, that's the weather underground app. And then uh, for radar, I really like storm radar because it shows me the radar into the future, which it can be super helpful. It's obviously just predicted, but you know, uh, so I'll put those in the, in the, uh, in the show notes too. We got one last cool stuff found that I think we have time for here, John. And that is from listener Timothy. Uh, he says, I heard you explaining SaneBox in episode 907 for another listener. I use airmail and it performs many of the same functions as SaneBox and is super easy to use. The pro version has a one-time charge of just a couple dollars. And I hope that helps. Well, absolutely. That helps Timothy. Thank you so much. We will, uh, we will put a link to airmailapp.com in the show notes so that you don't even have to remember, just make sure you sign up for that email for the show notes at MacKeekab.com, and you will get those delivered into your box, which is the whole idea. All right. I think that's it, John. Our, our first show is uh, independent podcasters, so to speak. Again, mm-hmm. you know, that's just a technical distinction, but you know, exciting times thanks for hanging out with us folks on this first episode of the year at least for when it comes out we will record we will do our first recording of the year on uh, on friday the 7th the morning of friday the 7th and so that will right that that is right it's the 7th is friday i think so yeah and uh you can join us there at live.macgeekab.com if you want to hang out if you want to know what the schedule is Subscribe to MacGeekup.com slash calendar and that will uh you can that's the same calendar me and John use. So like it's it will it won't be wrong. I guarantee it. Because if it's in there, we're doing it. And if it's not, we're not. Sometimes we put personal events in the calendar accidentally and we quickly take them out because you don't need that. Alright. Got anything else for today, John? Nope. Alright. Well, And I guess it's time to uh, call it a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for everything. We're looking forward to many more years of Mac Geek Cab together here. Subscribe to all those things. We have links in the show notes for you. Check out our sponsors. You can go to MacGeekCab.com slash sponsors. And that page will live at both places. You know, it currently lives where it lives. And then it will live at MacGeekCab.com when we move that over. 
And uh, But for today's sponsors, those were, uh, as I mentioned in the episode, Mac Updater, of course, from corecode.io. You use MGGQ1 to save 10%. Takethesis.com slash MGG will uh, let you save 10% over there. And then ZocDoc.com slash MGG. You don't have to save 10% because the app is free. But use our link, please. Let them know we sent you. That's good for everybody. All right, John. Well, the only thing I have to say is, well, Happy New Year. So I, I guess it's not the only thing. Have fun. And uh, don't do anything we wouldn't do. And don't get caught. Made up. See you next week.